What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined as always by the president of the Tylen Wallace Fan Club, aka the Run DMC, aka Mr. Dan McAuliffe. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Yes, sir. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We uh, finally got the uh, the drafts behind us, so we got a lot of uh, really fun things to be able to talk about today when it comes to players, uh, landing spots, draft capital, all that fun stuff when it comes to Dynasty. Can you please tell the people at home the jersey that I'm wearing right now, just so we can set the stage for this conversation we're about to have? I believe you said it was one uh, Darren McFadden, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Darren McFadden. Uh, I bought this jersey before he ever played a snap in the NFL. I thought he was going to be the same level of player that Adrian Peterson was. And this is a reminder <laughs> to all dynasty leaguers at home. Everyone can bust everyone. Absolutely. I, I watched Aaron McFadden all through his college days. I mean, they basically ran a wildcat offense with him. So fun to watch. And unfortunately injuries, all those things, these guys you root for, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Exactly. But um, those are, there's always going to be those landmines, right? So it's, you got to do the work to try and weed through, see what you think is going to be uh, best for the prospects at hand. But there's always, always that risk that your favorite player who got the draft capital and all the things above just doesn't work out. So we'll see uh, if we have any in particular that maybe come up in our conversations today that might be a little riskier uh, than people are saying that they are. Darren, if you're listening, I will always love you. And I still watch Razorback highlights, but that's not <laughs> what we're here to talk about. So we got a ton of players, Dan. Um, we're going to do rapid, rapid fire as best we can. Rounds one through three. Talk about all the fantasy relevant players that got the draft capital. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. So let's kick it off. There's not a Mr. Irrelevant. We're kicking it off with Mr. Relevant. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars. We knew the pick was coming, Dan. Again, some of these guys we've talked about before. Let's not spend a crazy amount of time. Any quick thoughts on him going number one overall to the Jaguars? Nope. This is this is exactly what we expected, right? Um, they have been wanting to be able to find their new franchise quarterback for quite some time. Uh, after having to deal with the likes of uh, Blake Bortles, etc., I think they are very excited for what the future holds. They've invested heavily in uh, the most important position on the field here. So Trevor Lawrence is going to be a fantastic uh, fantasy option for you in the future. He's got great weapons. He's got a solid coach. So I'm really excited to see what they do here. Uh, but no questions asked, um, especially when you're talking about super flex. Uh, he's easily my, my one-on-one overall. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing really to add there. I'm very excited to watch the Jaguars. So let's, let's talk about another telegraph pick, which you know, I don't think we dug into this player too, too much, but Zach Wilson out of BYU goes number two overall to the New York Jets. Um, he's an interesting prospect and I think very polarizing, especially, you know, with people who are doing super flex leagues, trying to figure out the order of these quarterbacks. But yeah, you know, this is a player that 93rd percentile college QBR 97th percentile yards per attempt and was a super early breakout. Right. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on him. He's interesting because he's kind of got a little bit of that Joe Burrow, like, is he a one-year wonder, right? Really only yeah. put it together for this past season. Um, but the metrics guys love him. I mean, he can make the throws, deadly accurate, a lot of physical tools. Um, you know, one of the interesting knocks or just kind of potential chinks in the armor that I saw people talking about was 
he didn't really get pressured much throughout his career at BYU. They had a fantastic offensive line and, you know, generally just kind of a lower level competition of play, you know, being at that school and the, and the schools that they face. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, either way, day one starter for the Jets has some interesting pass catchers to work on or work with. Sure. You know, we'll talk about one of those uh, a few rounds from now. But anything to add on, you know, Zach Wilson, are you happy with the pick? You know, are you moving him up and down? Any thoughts there? Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I in general, it was very interesting to see that the Jets almost immediately uh, had come out and said, like, he's our guy. Like, the, they didn't play the smoke and mirrors game that uh, San Francisco was. They were already kind of bringing him into the fold. And it, it seemed like a, a no questions asked that he was going to go uh, 102 just because they're so vocal about how they loved him there. So um, we've seen that the Jets uh, are definitely not the easiest uh, team to have a fantasy uh, player on sometimes. It can be frustrating. A lot of that stemmed from the days of Adam Gase, but Adam Gase can't hurt the Jets anymore. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how he can come in and hopefully step up in a way that we maybe haven't seen uh, some of the uh, Jets players been able to do in the past besides like a Jamison Crowder. So I'm excited uh, just because it does give another really uh, valuable super flex option uh, at quarterback going into the season. Yeah, one of my best buddies is a Jets fan. We were texting all week uh, trying to figure out, you know, how, how he was feeling about that and what other positions they might address in the draft. We'll have to have him on the show at some point to talk yeah, about this. But he's a big fan. Um, you know, new QB, new coaching staff, fresh start. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm happy, happy to see the, the Jets making some moves. For sure. So let's pivot to the ultimate smokescreen, uh, oh, yeah. you know, because there was a lot of cloudiness around who the Niners and Mr. Kyle Shanahan were going to take. And they took our guy that we talked about last time on the last show. I profess my love for Trey Lance, talked about his upside. You know, I don't think we really need to rehash what a mega athlete and producer he was. Um were, were you intrigued by the fit? Did you uh, did you have a feeling they were going there versus the Mac Jones route? I really I did feel like this was a chance that this was a smokescreen. Um, so I, I was stoked to be able to see that Trey Lance went to the 49ers. I actually think if we uh, uh, think back to our last episode, we were talking about, hey, where would it be fun uh, to see him land? And 49ers is someone that we both agreed is like, oh, man, that would be so cool with him being such a dynamic player, being able to be in a Shanahan offense like that starts to make a lot of sense. So lo and behold, that ends up being the case. Uh, he has no shortage of uh, great receiving options right now. Uh, you got Kittle, Ayuk, um, all those guys there. So it's going to be really fun to be able to have a situation he can step into. The only thing there is the first two guys that we've talked about, uh, no one's ahead of them, right? Technically, we do have Jimmy G still on the team. And how are they going to be able to uh, either ship him off to another team that's going to need it? Is he going to start for a little bit uh, to be able to let Trey kind of learn under him? Uh, can Trey learn under him, them being such different running uh, quarterbacks? It's going to be really interesting, um, but overall excited. And I think, again, when you're talking about Superflex, a guy that starts to really skyrocket up uh, draft boards there. Yeah, that Jimmy G point is interesting. I, I like that you brought that up because we, we didn't really talk about that prior to this. And Trey Lance, easily the least experienced quarterback of all these guys, For right? Sure. Really only one full season, albeit a stellar, like very few blemishes on that season um, type of thing. But could be interesting. He might not start right away. You know, let's keep tabs on that. Um, but let's move on to a guy that I know put a smile on your face when his name was it called. Did. 
becoming at number four overall to the Atlanta Falcons, the highest drafted tight end in NFL history. Dan, a few quick words on Kyle Pitts. Yep, I was stoked to see this um, just because it's we haven't seen it before, right? To be able to have a tight end get drafted that highly. Um, I The one thing I like about that is, to me, that reinforces my ideals around Pitts, which is he's not your traditional tight end. He is going to do so much more than what you're asking of plenty of other tight ends. I immediately think he becomes much more of a Waller-esque tight end, where he is going to be someone who demands targets because he's just a phenomenal receiver. So I, it's, it's an interesting move there, too, because you're kind of... With the uh, Falcons and the way they have uh, Matt Ryan structured there, like, hey, Matt Ryan, great quarterback. I think you're stepping into a good situation there. Um, and they need to keep competing. So I think he's going to see the field early, uh, earlier than you're going to see a lot of other tight ends make the field uh, and be able to develop pretty quickly. I think he immediately becomes the third uh, receiving option on that team. Uh, and then the future of Julio Jones, right? We've just started to see word come out that they're very, uh, very much considering trading him uh, to potentially try and kind of rebuild the team a little bit more. So he could even easily uh, step into the second uh, receiving spots pretty easily on that team. So going to be really fun. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do because he has a lot of expectations to live up to. Uh, but when you look at his profile, man, uh, you just get excited to see uh, what he's going to be able to do this season. We are a dynasty show, so I will save my all the words I could talk about. I could go on for these days, but from a team-building perspective at the Atlanta Falcons, I hated this pick so much. But for dynasty, it's fun. I'm dreading having to probably move Kyle Pitts inside my top 12 Superflex rankings. You certainly might. It's, it's going to be interesting, but for sure. At number five, Jamar Chase goes to the Bengals. Uh, another tactfully for the team, uh, I, I hate the pick, but you reunite him with Joe Burrow, put him exactly. in a very pass-friendly offense. Um, a guy that just really one of the better wide receiver prospects we've seen come along in a long, long time, you know, since Amari Cooper, or Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, yeah. like those are the level above. those are the level of comps you hear when you're talking about Jamar Chase. We don't really need to say anything about him. He's amazing. Let's go to uh another uh, college wide receiver quarterback reunion, Jalen Waddle reunited yeah. with Tua in Miami. He's a burner. The, he gets an elite deep threat, elite deep threat on the outside. Any thoughts on Jalen Waddle and the reu, uh, reunited? And it feels so good in Miami. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's definitely great to see they they went out and got a guy. Um, that they're going to have some familiarity between wide receiver and quarterback, right? I think it starts to hopefully um, eliminate any excuses for Tua kind of going into this season. I think you see a lot of people down on him. So while I, I like the pick with Waddle, actually it makes me more excited about like what that's going to be able to do for Tua and hopefully really be able to have just this uh, plethora of receiving options. Um, it concerns me just a little bit because he is a speedster, right? You've, you now got Will Fuller that came out that way. Uh, as well with the trades. So they've got a, a good few different receivers that, in my opinion, play similar roles. So um, I easily feel like uh, you're going to see Will Fuller probably only play half the season games anyway, so I'm not too concerned there. Um, but there is a little bit of repetitiveness that gives me a little bit of pause. Um, but the future of the Miami Dolphins as a whole, it makes me very excited for because I think they did pick up a great talent with Jalen Waddle there. So if you want to know just how much the NFL values speed, here, here is it right here because the next pick we have to talk about is 
number 10 to the Eagles, Jalen Waddle's teammate and current Heisman winner, Devonta Smith. So interesting. I mean, the NFL, if you're going to run in the low four threes or the high four twos, like you're going to be a top 10 draft pick. We've seen it all the time. Um, Devonta Smith is an interesting one because he's probably the most polarizing wide receiver, right? For dynasty leaguers right now, right? Like I said, the production, you can't argue with what he did last season, wins the Heisman, hides behind the national championship trophy, but you know, really kind of refuses to test athletically throughout the process um, and, and comes in in basic outlier territory for, you know, height and weight to go play in the NFL. So this, I mean, PFF graded him as the second highest, you know, wide receiver in this class since 2017. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I believe, was the first grade they had, right? Yes, he was the sir. number one. Um, so PFF loves him. Very polarizing on Dynasty Twitter, all these forums, people, you know, sleepers, all talking about their thoughts on Devonta Smith. Um, but just interesting, he goes to the Eagles, pair him up with another former Alabama quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Uh, yep. Any thoughts there on, you know, bolstering the receiving options for Mr. Hurts? Yeah, I think it's good, right? Uh, you, it's, it's always hard because the Eagles um wide receiver drafting hasn't looked too stellar as of late uh i still absolutely keep the flame lit for jalen rager i think this is actually i thought you were about to say jjr sake of white side for some <laughs> no, reason no, no, like, no, no, dan no. don't do this right now <laughs> i can only be hurt so many times no no jj uh or sega white side is off my list now Tyler, uh, 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 Jalen Rager, uh, I think is going to be someone that is going to be helped by this just to not be the only kind of talented receiving option uh, when it comes to the wide receivers there I think they are going to be able to kind of play off each other and honestly I think the full skill set um, that you have for Devonta Smith is going to lend himself towards being the wide receiver one uh, with Jalen Rager just playing a, uh, a nice kind of versatile role uh, within a Hertz offense there so I think in general again it makes me excited for Hertz himself because I think you just start to eliminate some of the reasons why he can't succeed right you you started to talk about the offense as a whole last year just wasn't very potent they had a, a lack of receiving options now giving him this extra tool really sets uh, Jalen Hertz up for uh, for success going into uh, this year yeah, I actually, I mean, Jalen Rager's profile to me always screamed kind of a 1B. So yep, if they want exactly Devonta right. Smith to come in and be that 1A, I'm fine with that. Um, love yep. Jalen Rager, uh, massive producer at TCU, very excited. But let's get to probably my favorite pick in the draft because we called it out last show. This guy has been dragged throughout the process by the media Justin Fields goes number 11 overall to the Chicago Bears. Allen Robinson's prayers have finally been answered for oh, the quarterback. Man. Seriously. I'm excited. Um, I think, you know, we were texting during the week, and I was just, the more I dug into all these QBs trying to figure out how to value them for Superflex, I was like, I can absolutely see an argument where Fields has the same ceiling as Trevor Lawrence. Like, they are both elite, elite prospects to me. Um, and, and really, you know, you see some of these stats start to come out about how much, you know, Clemson was running RPOs and Justin Fields was really like not getting the benefit of some of those, you know, schematic things to help like, sure. bolster the completions and, and make the quick plays and quick reads. I love the pick. I really think his ceiling is massive. He's staying at my number two overall spot in Superflex right now. Any other thoughts on uh, Justin Fields before we move on to the last quarterback drafted? 
No, I think, I mean, you and I were, were kind of, at least I was certainly vocal about, I would love to see him as a, uh, as a future Patriot. And as we st- he started to see him drop down, it's like, oh man, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, I still love the opportunity with, for him uh, with the Bears there. There's just a, a really good opportunity to kind of step in right away and make a difference. I, I'm starting to wary on Matt Nagy's ability um, a little bit. So that's kind of one question mark for me there. Um, but I, I overall, again, having someone like Allen Robinson as your wide receiver one, being able to to step in there and start making some magic immediately. I also do say from just a, another perspective, I think someone that you should be kind of looking at is Darnell Mooney as well. He's just a super fast guy and has naturally kind of found his way as the wide receiver two on that team. And I don't think he's being valued as such, especially with uh, someone like Justin Fields coming in. So I like what that could potentially do for his stock going forward. I love it. I love it. But let's get to who the Patriots took because I went to sleep before this pick was made and I figured I could wake (laughs) up as a Pats fan and be like, oh, they traded back or, oh, they took this, uh, you know, lefty punter from Rutgers. No, they went Mac Jones. You know, another guy who I think has been a little bit under fire compared to these, uh, you know, quarterbacks that got drafted at the top. Um, But this is somebody who had an adjusted completion rate of 84% last year. That was highest in the nation. One of the highest, if not the highest pro football focus has ever seen. Um, You know, to me, he's a great guy to just invest in like a safe profile. You know, we've obviously as Pats fans, you know, getting the dual tight ends, bringing back the reminiscent days of, uh, you know, Gronkowski and Hernandez. Exactly. Take the guy to Alabama I just feel like it could be a really good fit. I think that they have the weapons to help him succeed. Um, it just feels like a good, safe pick. And from a team-building perspective, I was so worried about them just going into the season with Cam Newton. Yeah. Yeah. Loved seeing them invest in quarterback. No, I totally agree. I think um, I'm getting more and more excited about it as it goes along. As you said, it made the most sense. Uh, I was kind of looking at it. If we did go Justin Fields, like, up oh, the Patriots offense is going to change into kind of this more dynamic QB-based offense. Um, but I think this is us returning back to basics, right? We did what we did as a Patriots uh, dynasty for years with a uh, – prolific pocket passer uh we now know at least mac jones of all of these guys is considered one of the better pocket passers uh and in terms of the, the weapons that we uh were able to put in place um a tight end can be uh, a rookie qb's best friend just totally. having some uh, opportunity to quickly dump off some quick passes uh and we got two of the best now in in the league in my opinion to be able to help support him as we grow him into this role so I do think uh, with the way the scheme is set up, he's going to be more successful uh, at first than people might realize. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a fun training camp battle to watch for sure. So for sure, let's get to pick number 20. And this to me was a little bit of a head scratcher. Uh, if you listen to the show, you know, I love upside. You know, I love squinting to see some yep. serious dynamic potential, especially at the wide receiver position. But the New York Giants take Kadarius Tony. Um, and this is somebody, you know, who really just kind of ascended as the process went along, right. You know, showed kind of proved his athleticism. Um, any thoughts on this guy coming out of Florida? Was it a little surprising to see him go in the first round? Yeah, it's, it's for whatever reason, there's always, um, at least a couple receivers that the NFL just views very differently than the dynasty world. Right. And you, you definitely saw a few people in the dynasty world talking about Kadarius Tony and it, you basically started to see, man, it's, there's a good chance he goes in the first round. Lo and behold, he does, um, because he, he certainly has some skill sets, 
um, that is going to be very attractive to a certain team that picks him up. So you got the Giants here clearly seeing something uh, that made them uh, want to chase after him. It sounded like Urban Meyer actually had him on his uh, short list uh, for people to be able to go and draft in that first uh, round. And he was picked before uh, they made their later first round pick. So you've got NFL teams. They're really in on him. Um, I still need to see a little bit more because I do worry. I mean, you kind of think about guys that you got drafted in the first round that you didn't think should have been drafted in the, fir uh, the first last year. Uh, Henry Ruggs comes to mind. I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but uh, sometimes speed and just dynamicism is highly valued by a team, but might not net out to dynasty like value when it comes to fantasy football. So he's one in particular I start to see that there's I don't get super excited about the receiving options across the board with the Giants. Um, they did have a little bit of a hole there, uh, but I am kind of weary how that's going to net out for him uh, when we're looking back a year from now after the season being like, was Kadarius <laughs> Tony worth a first round pick for the New York Giants? Yeah, some of these gadget guys uh, or guys that get labeled gadget guys, they really need to go to teams that know how to use them, right? Especially yeah. the speedsters. Um, exactly. And, you know, I thought that was a death sentence for Ruggs going to the Raiders because it's like they're just not going to have any idea how to use this guy. Exactly. Um, you know, still think there's some potential there, but I agree. Uh, apologies to all my friends that are Giants fans because I think this is a bit of a head-scratcher pick. And Same luckily for, for us, uh, you know, if, if Urban Meyer had his sight sets on Tony, let's let's be thankful that uh, that the Giants bailed him out here. We'll get to that. I was just going to say, seconds. I think they might have saved Urban Meyer from himself there. So absolutely. So believe it or not, even though we've mentioned his name many times on the last couple shows, uh, a guy that we haven't really dived that deep into is Najee Harris. And yeah. The Steelers, you want a steel town kid. You want a big bruising back coming out of Alabama. Najee Harris is your guy. Um, Dan and I were texting during the week, and I think right before opening draft night, Dan, I said, Dan, wish something into existence right now, something that you want to happen. And you told me, I forget what you said. I don't know <laughs> if it came true, but tell the people what I texted you back when I said, this is what I'm wishing into existence right now. That you wanted to see Najee Harris and Travis Etienne get first round draft capital. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, these are two guys we both love, super high in the rankings, yep. really kind of tough to poke any holes in either of their prospect profiles. Uh, but let's dig into Najee first. Sure. Like I said, goes to the Steelers, feels like a great fit to be an absolute workhorse back. You know, 230 pounds, can catch, can do it all. Um, by far my favorite stat uh, I've heard about Najee Harris credit as always to Lord Reeves, Rich Rebar, the stat God since <laughs> 2000, there's only two players over 225 pounds that caught more passes as a running back in their final seasons coming up. It was Saquon Barkley and it was Steven Jackson. So Ooh. I am extremely excited to see Najee yeah. love the draft capital um, and like you said, my wish came true because the next pick that comes in, unfortunately, Kadarius Tony wasn't on the board. So Urban Meyer <laughs> had to fall back and take Travis Etienne. Um, we talked, this is such an interesting pick because we talked a lot a few shows ago about why I thought it's hard to bet on these undrafted outliers like a James Robinson was. Yeah. And I'm sure there are a lot of dynasty dynasty guys that woke up to their worst nightmare oh God. Exactly. after the, this pick was made uh we covered him a lot on some previous shows but any quick words on the electric playmaker headed to the jaguars 
Yeah, no, I mean, this is, again, where you start to see your star quarterbacks uh, really be able to have some stay in who you're drafting to, right? You see that with uh, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow up there. Uh, you saw that with Pat, Ma- Pat Mahomes with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, last year. Like, you, 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 they get the guys that they want, and you could tell this was definitely a pick that was influenced um, uh, at the very beginning to be able to go get uh, ATN, one of his former former teammates there. So uh, you see some coach be coming out right now uh, that he's being pegged as the third down uh, back for the the Jaguars. Uh, yeah, maybe for the first game. And, yeah. and then afterwards, he's going to become uh, the running back that we all know that he is. So don't worry about coach speak too much. I think a lot of people are starting to freak out and de-emphasizing him as an asset. Um, play the long game. Uh, people were fading Nick Chubb because Carlos Hyde was in front of him. And then all of a sudden, that wasn't too much of a problem afterwards. Don't worry about the talent that's in front of them or the field that they're sharing uh, when the profile and talent is as high as Travis Etienne is. So uh, I love it. I think it's going to be fun. And again, just, man, the Jaguars are going to have a really fun team to watch this year. So let's close out the first round. Again, another guy that we've spent a bunch of time on. And then, Dan, we're over 20 minutes right now, so we're going to really have to go rapid fire as uh, as we go into rounds two and three. But Rashad Bateman goes to the Baltimore Ravens. Love seeing the first round draft capital for him. Such a complete wide receiver. And it also makes me as a Tyler Johnson truther uh, a little bit happier, right? Because if you're talking going back to the Minnesota days, if you're talking about, you know, they were one a one B pretty much putting up the same production every year. So if you're telling me that uh, Tyler Johnson, who unfortunately didn't get the draft capital was able to uh, go toe to toe with first rounder Rashad Bateman every year, that feels me, that makes me feel a little bit more about my trutherism for Tyler. There we go. Don't blame me there. No, it's perfect. So let's flip to one of your favorite prospects. The New York jets kick off the second round. The uh, number two pick Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. I know he's a guy you love. Yeah, no, I really do like him. Uh, you, you look at some of his profile there, 93rd percentile speed, 98th percentile agility. So uh, someone that you absolutely want to be able to put on the field with that type of um, just skill set in general. Um, and he comes to Tyler Lockett. Like it's, it's, you look at uh, what he's been able to do. He, if you throw him the ball, he catches it. He's Mr. Reliable when it comes to that. So to have a guy like this joining up and being able to help a rookie quarterback, I think is fantastic. I absolutely think you're going to have to wait on him a little bit because we know uh, rookie quarterbacks can be a bit of a mess in their first season. You shouldn't immediately be grading a wide receiver who's attached to one uh, on their first season with that quarterback. So I do think he's maybe going to fall a little bit. You also see Corey Davis going into the mix. I think it's just a little messier of a situation than we would like to have seen for fantasy, but I do love the early investment that they made in him, uh, which makes me believe that they have a, a, a plan uh, for Elijah Moore going into this next season and beyond. So it's going to be really fun. Uh, and again, I think it gives a nice little bump in pairing uh, with Zach uh, Wilson there. Yeah, again, a guy who competed with uh, DK Metcalf and uh, AJ Brown at Ole Miss. So I mean, he'll probably have less target competition in uh, on the Jets than he ever did in yeah. college. So, yep. Let's keep it rolling. At at pick three in the second round, the Broncos take your guy, Javante Williams, someone who they you uh, told me that you liked more than Travis Etienne. So you must have been pretty happy about that. I I mean, I was stoked to see him uh, get taken pretty high there. Um, you, I I always kind of felt he was never going to be a, a round one guy, uh, just based on. 
um, some of the other talent that was going to be on the board in the first round. But great to see him get taken um, pretty high in the second. That's fantastic to see. I was scratching my head a little bit with being, oh, the Broncos because they really weren't on the list of um, teams that were RB needy, right? You saw Atlanta. Uh, you saw Miami. You saw a couple other places that, in my opinion, were a little more attractive. Uh, and you actually saw he was very much just about to fall to Atlanta until uh, the Broncos traded up to get him. So that, in my book, is uh, definitely says something about how they view him, um, to know that they had to jump um, Atlanta to be able to go get him, or at least a uh, couple other teams to be able to go get him. So I'm excited. I mean, that at least makes, uh, makes it sound like they have a plan for him. Um, of course, when it comes to um, backfields, you've got Melvin Gordon, who's still there. I don't know what how long he's going to be in the plans for the Broncos going forward, um, but I am excited to at least see him on a what I'm hoping is going to be a pretty dynamic offense with all the uh, extra weapons that they now have uh, on that team. Yeah. So after that, we got Rondell Moore at number 17 in the second round going to the Cardinals. Um, I've waxed poetic about this guy. Love the athleticism. Love getting him, seeing him get the respect he deserves with the draft capital. Um, I don't think we need to go too deep there. So totally another great. fun one, uh, Pat Fryermuth from Penn State goes yeah. to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a player that when Dan and I would talk about Kyle Pitts, I'd be like, well, why would I take Kyle Pitts in the first round? Like, I could just get Pat Fryermuth in the third <laughs> round. Um, really solid run blocker, right? Um, you know, probably, hopefully a little bit of help to newly acquired running back Najee Harris. Um, really just a, it's kind of unfortunate for him that he comes out the, the same year as Kyle Pitts. Cause he's a yeah. monster producer. Um, he really is really a big, I think he's like six, five, two like a true two way tight end. Um, love the fit there in the steel city. Now let's get to another pick that was very interesting you know so the seattle seahawks at number 24 in the second round they take Dwayne estridge um yeah. out of western michigan not really sure this was somebody on the radar for the second round it felt a little interesting uh, did you have any hot takes there i mean he's not a guy that we've talked a ton about no exactly it's it's kind of one of those guys now where it's going to be super confusing on oh, where do i put this guy right because yeah. you see the the seahawks uh valuing him um, putting him a, a f in front of some other names that we felt uh, a little bit more passionate about and felt d were more deserving of being drafted uh, higher there. So he's someone that we're going to have to kind of keep our eye on. I think he's going to be someone like mid-second round pick going into dynasty drafts where you're like, do I take a chance on him? Tyler Lockett's getting a little older, but of course you have DK Metcalf there. It, it becomes annoying in my opinion for us to try and figure out where this guy's going to be because there was nothing uh, about him from a, a profile perspective that got us really jazzed right so we'll see uh, it's it's going to be a kind of wait and see as we start to learn a little bit more about uh how teams are viewing these these draft prospects yeah so another interesting one at wide receiver because right after that the rams go 2-2 atwell coming out of louisville yep. um lightest wide receiver drafted since 1999 my my very That's crazy very interesting pick here uh again he's not a guy that i think either of us were that psyched about you know i mean if you want to talk about if you're on the fence of Devonte smith won't succeed in the nfl because he's that light i mean good luck yeah to, good luck trying to squint and find the potential it, it, for tutu atwell exactly right yeah it's i again with the uh, mcveigh offense you know he's going to kind of be uh used in my opinion probably special teams types of like punt return whatever it might be scenarios like this this is in my pick my opinion a nfl pick well beyond a fantasy pick right like 
even if he's going to be on a a team like that, I don't think he's going to be utilized in the way that you wish he would at all. Uh, He's pretty much an easy pass for me in a lot of kind of dynasty uh, viewpoints because I just don't think he's going to be getting any type of volume that you'd be excited about. Hey, listen, being undersized is the reason that I'm not in the NFL right now. So these are the guys I want to root for, man. Uh, Definitely had nothing to do with my lack of talent. That's for sure. For sure. So Carolina Panthers bring us back with a guy that we were both super high on, uh, taking Terrace Marshall. Um, Yes. LSU, you know, the man buried on the depth chart behind Justin Jefferson and um, Jamar Chase. Reunited with Joe Brady makes a ton of sense. Um, Any thoughts on Terrace Marshall? I know we've covered him a bit. Yeah, I mean, he's just one that you're like, how did he fall even that far, in my opinion, uh, <laughs> behind guys like Tutu, uh, for example, that we were just chatting about. Like, he's someone who is just going to ball out. I actually, I start to kind of wonder um, if this starts to hurt someone like a, a DJ Moore, a guy that we both really do like, just because now that's that's some legit competition when it comes to wide receiver. Curtis Samuel, I love, but he was super dynamic. You weren't going to see him commanding the amount of targets that I really do feel uh, a Marshall might. So I just, again, that offense as a whole, I think just got a big bump up. Uh, and it's going to be really kind of fun to see him slide into that wide receiver two role on the team uh, pretty much immediately. I mean, you have Robbie Anderson, who's there. I'm not going to discount him, but I think he's a very certain type of player, whereas I think uh, Marshall is going to be able to be used uh, all over the field a lot more. Yeah, I mean, some people have him, you know, pre-draft as high as uh, Dynasty Rankings wide receiver two. So to get him towards the end of the second round, pair him with DJ Moore, that, that could be very fun. Agreed. I am going to absolutely blaze through the next three picks. And uh, so we got Kyle Trask out of Florida going to the Bucks to be Tom Brady's backup. Little interesting there. He was a guy with like 92nd percentile college QBR. So maybe some upside. Yeah. Learn behind the True. greatest of all time. Uh, Kellen Mond, a guy who I kind of jokingly mentioned on the last show. But, you know, <laughs> coming out of Texas A&M, goes to the Minnesota Vikings to start off the third round. This is actually a guy, really great athlete, uh, not ideal, little turnover prone in college. Um, I've watched a little of his game, and he definitely has some wow plays, but I don't think he's anybody that's really going to be crazy relevant at the top of Superflex drafts. And then a guy who I think wasn't even really on our radar that much, Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, goes to the Chargers. really just not a ton of production in four years at Tennessee. I know it was an especially awful team, um, but really like from a competition level, he was competing with Jawan Jennings, Marquez Callaway, who I kind of like, but I mean, just not really, you know, for a mid third round pick, wasn't a name I was expecting to pop up. Let's get into your high school, an alma mater guy. Yes, Miami Dolphins take Hunter Long out of BC. What do you thought? What do you think about that? Uh, honestly, it's, it was it was cool to be able to see just someone that, uh, you know, had gone to your alma mater, actually get drafted into the NFL there. So that was always really fun to see. And um, I think, again, another guy that has some good um, uh, kind of background and, and talent, but is just sitting in the shadow of someone like Kyle Pitts, right? Like any of these tight ends, uh, if you didn't have a Kyle Pitts in this class, you'd start to see a lot of them kind of more evenly distribute throughout the rest of the uh, the dynasty rankings because there's some really good ones there so it's going to be fun to be able to see um i mean i've got they've got mike gasicki um that's already down there so i'm curious if they're going to start to run some more 12 personnel like it's going to be interesting to see how he gets kind of schemed in that way um but of tight ends for this class he had second highest uh receiving yard season with uh, 685 yards so uh he's been like a top kind of receiving option for his his team in the past and it's going to be uh, interesting to see if they continue to utilize him uh, in that way with the Miami Dolphins. 
Yeah, and as a Boston local, I mean, quarterback play at Boston College has not been great. So, I mean, clearly making something out of nothing. I like the pick. Um, Me too. Let's flip over to former North Carolina superstar, Diami Brown, goes to Washington in the mid-third round, paired up with uh, Fitzmagic. This is a guy who... You know, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. You know, the the last couple of years, um, early breakout in a fantastic deep threat. I'm starting to feel like going in the mid-third round, get some draft capital. I feel like he's been losing a little bit of luster in the dynasty community. Finally, could maybe be a little bit of a value in rookie drafts. Yeah, no, I think he definitely becomes someone uh, who's going to be a value. Who's uh, still the a name that was out there. Maybe people didn't see him get. Uh, as high a capital as they would have wanted, which will kind of let them slide a little bit. But I think the situation's fantastic. Um, you've got Fitzmagic, who's just known for being able to sling it across the board. He's gonna. He also uh, is known for just being able to distribute the ball across the field. So I think you have someone uh, coming in as a rookie here who's going to be able to get some some targets right away. Yeah. So the Carolina Panthers, after that, take Tommy Tremble, Tommy Tremble, out of uh, out of Notre Dame. Not really a guy that I was on my radar. I mean, just over 400 yards in three seasons at Notre Dame. Uh, I don't really have a lot to say here. Uh, so I think we Same. move on to the Packers pick, which is very interesting. Uh, Amari Rogers, who I feel is yeah. another guy who's been maybe, you know, losing a little bit of luster in the dynasty rankings, but get a guy out of Clemson. Um, really kind of fun, can do it all player. He was working out at running back, you know, over the last yep. couple of months. Uh, any thoughts on the pack finally given Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> if he stays on the team, some yep. help? Uh, honestly, I mean, this this was probably my top landing spot for a wide receiver, right? So I was starting to, to get uh, starry eyes kind of looking at, oh, could a Terrace Marshall end up there, uh, et cetera. So to have Amari Rodgers, um, we got the Rodgers and Rodgers club now. Uh, is going to be really interesting to see because that's just such an attractive spot to be able to, to land there. They really don't have any other clear-cut uh, wide receiver two to three range there. So he has a, a great opportunity to just immediately step into some targets from one of the best quarterbacks uh, in NFL history. So pretty, pretty exciting uh, situation to be in. Yeah, so to flip back to the Niners, um, Trey Sermon coming out of Ohio State. Yes, sir. Feature back size. We had we put out a tweet on the Dynasty Dynamic account. Shout out to the DFF Moose who runs that <laughs> account. And he said, who is somebody that you think could skyrocket up Dynasty draft boards if they land in the situation? And my response was Trey Sermon. I think we might see it. I really do. Yeah. Lands nope. in a spot with the Shanahan scheme, you know, known for kind of just taking some of these bursty running backs. Um, I would not be surprised at all if he's a starter by midseason. I, I would agree. Uh, the only thing I'll say with that is starter is always in quotations uh, with the Shanahan offense because uh, it, it's it can be so frustrating. I'm excited. He's someone that if I can, if if people are still a little iffy on uh, where to take him in dynasty drafts, I'm definitely going to invest in him a couple times because I really do like uh, his opportunity. But then don't be surprised when you're frustrated, when you don't know if you should be playing him in a certain week because Shanahan's going to do what Shanahan wants. And that might be playing him uh, and letting him get four touchdowns one week. And it might mean that he is completely overshadowed by another running back committee uh, the, the next. So that's the only thing to kind of temper expectations with a little bit but i am excited and do believe he's going to be the lead back uh going into the next season so we got two more picks to close out the third round my guy talked about him last show nico collins out of michigan gets the draft capital going to the houston texans 
if you want to if you want to hear my thoughts on on nico collins go listen to the last show exactly let's close it out cleveland browns get the speedster running the 4-3-2 anthony schwartz out of auburn any thoughts on uh, baker mayfield getting an elite deep threat field stretcher hey yeah you, you love it i mean uh that's what uh odell uh, being able to get some deep threat stuff has always been really helpful for Baker. He hasn't always been available because of injuries, et cetera. So uh, if you see Odell be able to string together a, a full season, I think you probably see a little less of Anthony Schwartz up front. But to be able to have the opportunity uh, as OBJ maybe transitions out, whatever it might be, uh, to be attached to uh, Baker Mayfield, I think is going to be awesome. So uh, sky's the limit. Really cool pick uh, to be able to consider in your late uh, dynasty drafts. So we did it. We got through all three rounds. I want to know, not everybody gets the draft capital. It sucks. We love. There's a lot of players we love. They don't all get the draft capital. Tell me one guy who went outside the first three rounds that you were absolutely keeping the flame lit for. Oh, I mean, we, we discussed him last podcast, and I'm going to continue to, to say it now and, and forevermore. Uh, Tylen Wallace, I think the NFL is missing out on him. I think you got a lot of people who are scratching their heads. You saw Des Bryant tweeting out, hey, anyone uh, that gets Tylen Wallace uh, is going to be getting a gift and was surprised of how far he was dropping. Um, there's some industry injury concerns. I get it. Uh, and at some points that's going to drive you down to the lower levels just because, uh, they need to mitigate some risk, but the dude is a baller. And uh, again, is now been drafted on while it might be a run first, uh, offense, still a very dynamic and powerful offense on the Baltimore Ravens. I am all for it. And I'm excited for, uh, Lamar Jackson getting a legitimate weapon at a complete discount there. Yeah, I uh, we were talking a little bit before the show. I had Lamar Jackson on the block in one of our leagues just because I had yeah. to be pretty strong at quarterback in that league. Um, and I really had to kind of rethink it after seeing these picks, right? Rashad Bateman in the first round, Tylen Wallace getting like potentially huge value there. Second um, year of Dobbins as a pass catcher. It's it's yeah. I just like immediately was like, all right, maybe I got to regroup and <laughs> I'm gonna pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. but to close it out. Um, you know, Elijah Mitchell, I think he went in the sixth round. Okay. And this is the kind of guy that if I'm investing late in rookie drafts, you know, comes out of a small school, Louisiana Lafayette, absolute monster athleticism runs a four, four flat at five ten, two hundred and one 201 pounds, um, 88th percentile burst, 79th percentile agility. He's really one of those guys. Just if I'm going to throw darts, in the later rounds, give me the elite athletes. He's a guy that, you know, we were talking about, you know, where to put him in drafts before nice to at least see him get drafted. Um, obviously any of these later running back picks are always a long shot, but these are the guys I root for. And that's a guy that I just, I can't not grab those guys. So Elijah Mitchell, that's my pick keeping the flame lit. I love it. We did it, Dan, every dynasty relevant player, from the first three rounds. Well, almost every relevant dynasty player. Exactly. Some of the, some of the deep cuts don't always make the show. Um, it's a lot to get through, a lot to digest. It's always this like post-draft craziness, but we were supposed to have them this time. Next show, we got the Dynasty Moose Ooh. trade aficionado. It's going to be a good one, man. You're That'll not going to want to miss it. A lot of fun scenarios to talk about. Uh, any closing thoughts, Dan, for the show? 
No, I'm excited. I mean, as you said, there's still a lot to kind of consider. I think there's going to be more news that comes out to, to start to kind of figure out where we start to to rank these guys. But that's kind of our next step right now. We have a, a new set of data in terms of draft capital, team schemes. Uh, so we're going to have to kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit, start to take a look at how we might revise some of our rankings here. Uh, and that'll be something we'll start to discuss over the next kind of couple episodes as we start to do so. So I'm excited to see who starts to, uh, to shake out, uh, especially when it comes to the first round of Dynasty drafts, because uh, I think a lot of people have their rookie drafts coming up pretty soon. So we got to start to put that uh, put that to place and put it to work. Dynasty leagues don't sleep and neither does the Dynasty dynamic. Correct. So getting out of here for today. This is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>